0: Okay, so uh, without further ado, just as a very, very broad overview of what we've been doing and just to place ourselves where we are in the Hektama, Tarambam began the introduction by explaining what Rasha Be'at Bay is, the concept of Misvah. it's a system, it's not about the information, it's about mostly the authority, it's about the people, it's about the court, to be more precise, that represents each generation. If the court represents such a generation, we went through the 40 different links in this chain. We explained their authority, what they do. We explained what happened in the time of the Mishnah. We went through some of the people that compose this chain. And then finally, we went to the time of the Gemara and we explained that during this time we had the last link in this chain. We, we, are actually stopping this chain, and after this chain stopped about 1,400 years ago it hasn't continued. So right now, today, and for the last 1,400 years, we are in a chainless reality, we're in a reality without the authority to engage in mitzvah, into rasha And uh, and this has consequences, and that's where we are Right now, that's the background, that's the context for Alamdan's decision to do the Mishneh Torah. So, we are right now on Alakha Kafet. In Alakha Kafet, the last thing we said yesterday is that in the times of the Gemara, um, people, the, the Jews had been scattered further and further around the world. It was a period of major upheaval. This is even before the advent of Islam and the and, and, and the, the first uh, jihad that that they had. Um, but uh, way before that, in in the year 400, 500, around the the area of Babylon, uh, there were some major major pol- political events taking place, and it was no longer possible for people to come and join this. Conventions that they used to help it used to hold in the academies in the Yeshivot in Babel, which conventions would have had the authority of representing, they would have de facto represented all of Am Israel and therefore could function as further links in the chain, and therefore the chain was interrupted. So what happens after that? Kaftet. So what happens is, every court, every representative body that may come to be after the time of the Talmud in any city, and they decide to proscribe or prescribe something, or to approve a certain minhag, a certain custom in that community, what ends up happening is, Whatever they do, their actions, their promulgation, their legislation, their decisions, do not, they, they, they do not propagate, they do not reach, they are not accepted by the rest of the Jewish people. Everything is local. So, there is two things that are true about these guys. Number one is they are not the Beddin Hagadol. they are not the Supreme Court of Justice of Am Israel that stopped, <clears throat> that stopped many years even before the Talmud. But also, they, they are lacking something that the Talmud did have, or the Talmud did have that they lack is actual consensus. They actually are not reaching the audience that includes all of Am Israel. They are not enjoying from the consensus, from the consent of all of Am Israel or the majority of Am Israel. So, what does that mean for us? This is extremely important because this is our situation today. azolin <inaudible> min Therefore, we may not, we do not force the people of one city to follow the customs of a different city. Nor do we say to one court, to one set of of, uh, rabbis, that they are bound to follow what another court, what another set of rabbis decreed elsewhere. or also, if one of the Ge'onim, now we are dealing with a period right after the Gemara, if one of the rabbis of those generations, who also led very respectable academies, but again, they don't have the reach that the conventions of the time of the Gemara will have, if one of these Ge'onim concluded, that the way the path of the law, the way the law leads to, by studying the law and understanding, okay, so this is the path of the law and I have this set of facts, this is how they have to be applied. When it's by, I'm sorry, so actually I think is not what I just described. Derech is not when you are applying facts to the law, Delecha is when you actually are figuring out what the law is Uh, in general, and the Pesikat halacha is when you take that Derech HaMishpat and apply to the fact. Derech HaMishpat is the law. They understood that the law is a certain way. But then a later court, later, pay attention, later, it could be that Gaon in the times of uh, Rabbi Sealia Gaon decided something, and then another Chacham, another sage in the time of Rabbi Yosef Karo in the year 1500 or so decided something else, even though it was hundreds of years later. The, 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 the latter one understood that the Talmud's law would yield a different conclusion. And so, we do not necessarily go after or obey Follow this first one rather to whomever to whoever of the two makes more sense. That the the mind, literally, that the mind is inclined to their words. Again, it's not, uh, it's not science, it's not, it's never going to be black or white. So, notice how Harambam is very precise in the way he describes it. It's not whoever is right of the two, but rather, whoever the mind is inclined to accept. We are talking about a very gray area, that there could be more than one answer, but if I'm more inclined to accept one argument than the other, that's what this is describing. Ben B'rishon ben whether it's the first one, or the later one. All of these things are in interpretation, Gezerot is a proscript, proscription things that are forbidden, but the can, cannot is things that are instituted anu, umin or customs. Had that came up after the composition of the Talmud. Aval, kol However, everything that actually is included in the Talmud habavli. It's mandatory for all Am Israel to follow. And each city and city, regardless of where they are, would be a newly discovered city in, in, in the Americas, which was discovered after the moon was, was uh, sealed and, and, uh, and published. If... Uh, Let's say the city of New York, if that city, uh, that city itself is bound to follow the Talmud because the Talmud, because of its de facto acceptance, the forum of the Talmud, the way the Talmud was composed through those conventions where everyone would come from all over the world, really, and they would agree on certain things. So, de facto, it represents the will and the consent of all of Am Israel. Not only then, but also going forward. So I, right now, living in New York, I'm bound to follow what the Talmud says because the Talmud was accepted in generations of my ancestors by the entirety of Amistad. So if there is a minhad, let me give you an example of a minhad that started in the time of the Talmud. To say Hallel if you are praying with minyan on Rosh Chodesh, and in the Bet set, people say Halel, the Minyan says Halel. That is a minhag that started in the times of the Talmud and was given the seal of approval of a court, the court of Rav, in the time of the Talmud. kol Given that those things that are in the Talmud were agreed upon but by all of Israel, ואותם החכמים שהתפינו או שגזרו או שהנהיגו או שדענו דין ולימדו שהמשפט כפכו, הם כל חכמי ישראל או רובן. והם ששמעו הקבלה בעיקרי התורה כולה, איש מפי איש, עד משה רבנו. This is because, this is because, all of those things that we said in the, we, that are in the Talmud were agreed upon by all of Israel. If like we just explained. and secondly, because those sages that did this, the Kanod, or Min Hagim, or that uh, interpreted the Torah a certain way. Interesting that Rambam is including Danudin, Din is which we explained in the last class, as something that was done potentially during the time of the Talmud. So that's an important detail that we want you to pay attention to. At that time, the people who participated in the, in the discussions that led to the Talmud were the majority or all of the Chachamim of, of uh, Israel. And they also had access to the chain of tradition that led to them, generation to generation, until Moshe Rabbeinu. So, because we have these two factors, it was done by people with authority, and secondly, it was accepted by all of Israel. It's binding forever, universally. All the sages that came after the Talmud and they built upon it. <coughs> uh, sorry, Vannuba from Bina, and and they and they. Uh, And they understood it. And and they they became famous worldwide because of their wisdom. They they are what we call the Gionim. So we're talking about the years, let's say, uh, 650 through the year 1050, those 400 years. Those are the Geonim. And the people used to consult them on what the Talmud means from all over the world. And we do have several compilations of responses that have survived since that, that time with their opinion. So, <speaking in Hebrew> all of these Geonim that were in Israel, interesting to notice the places he mentions Israel, Bereshin Ar is uh, Babylon. In Spain, in France, they taught the ways of the Talmud. They, they, they taught to everyone what the Talmud really is leading to. If you study Talmud, you understand when you get a sugiyah, when you study a portion, a let's say a, a, a case in the Talmud, or a certain discussion, it's not always evident. Or most times it's not evident what the conclusion is. But there is always a conclusion, and there is always an agenda, and there is always a direction. And even the way opinions are organized, which comes first, which comes later, is relevant to trying to decipher what direction the Talmud is trying to lead you to. So the Geonim were the ones that uh, really spelled out what direction the of Talmud was trying to take. Derecha Talmud the way the fact of the Talmud. They they brought out to the light its uh, its mysteries, really the things that were not under, understood. Ube Aru they they uh, they explained its uh, its many matters. because the Talmud is not a simple composition, the Talmud is a very, very sophisticated it's a very, Amuka means deep, but deep in the sense that you have to really be able to dig down to the roots and see how the whole process grew from the root and up. odd, moreover, what happens with the Talmud and the reason why the Geonim's contribution was so important, aramim it's written in Aramaic, not in Hebrew, mixed with other language, like for example, pahlavi. pahlavi is a, a, a It's the Persian of of that time. It's not the same Persian that uh, they speak today in Iran. Because that language is what was clear to everyone in Babylon when the Talmud was composed. But in other places, and even in Babylon itself, in the times of the Geonim, just a few generations later, The only way someone would know this language, just like with us today, is if they study it. So, just a point to make here. We mentioned that there was a lot of political upheaval during the time that the Talmud was sealed and shortly thereafter. One point showing this is that a mere couple of generations later, people did not even speak the same language. There were many questions that have been asked by people to explain difficult passages in the Talmud. So we asked questions from the Geonim, from all over the world. And they reply, each according to their wisdom. Haramam is implying here that not all the Geonim were of the same category. Some were of much higher caliber than others and it's those uh, petitioners those uh, the people who are asking the questions that then gather the responses they get back and they later they thereafter compiled collections which they would use to aid in their own study of the Talmud what does the do also, the Geonim, they they made actual treatises explaining some things of the Talmud, like, for example, Pirush Nasim Nassim Gaon. halachot Some of them explained singular mishnayot in the Gemara. Some of them explained singular, unique stand-alone, discrete chapters in the Gemara, in the Talmud, that were particularly difficult in the days. And some of them actually went beyond that and explained, uh, commented on, entire treatises, entire sections of the Mishnah. They furthermore also composed some publications that give you the bottom line of what the halakha is, what the law is, regarding what is permitted, what is forbidden, what is obligated, what is not obligated, on things that came up during their time and they were responding to a demand. Adam is saying here, their industry was reactive, not proactive so that people who are not capable, or not equipped to really go down to the depths of the Talmud can still know the bottom line that comes from there. This is a, a, a very holy, a very uh, praiseworthy uh, uh, mission and contribution that these geonim have done since the Talmud was sealed and until today. She'yishan Shanasham Minita Harme'av E'elek Horban Horban gives you here a reference of when the Mishneh Torah was composed, which we are now in the eighth year after one thousand and ten years of the destruction of the Betamikdash. So, in other words, if you count 1018 years after the year 68 of the Common Era, that is the date of the publication, or the, the writing of this introduction. So, what happened now in the times of Hanabam? We only have uh, six halakhot more to go. I'm going to start going a little faster. And in these days, we have a lot of troubles and Everyone's time is very short. You know, in Abraham's time, everyone. Imagine if you lived during those times, and the Almohades or any other calamity was coming to your city. Your preoccupation is to try to save your family from from being uh, murdered and, and to escape or to find another city. And the wisdom of our sages and their understanding is nowhere to be found, our sages are not of the quality that we used to have, maybe because of the of the circumstances. The Fichach, therefore, even those interpretations and and rules and responsa that the Geonim published, and they thought that these were very clear things these themselves that were made in order to to make to, to make it easy for everyone to understand the Talmud, these themselves are now difficult for for people to understand, and We only very few people really really get it. When I'm not even talking about the Talmud itself, both the Babylonian and the uh, Palestinian, the Yerushalmi. These compositions we mentioned, Sifra and Sifre from Rav to Seftot, as we mentioned, from uh, from would be Hiyah. And I guess you can call what uh, what Ribiyu Sha'ya did, which we call Baraitot, you can also call it Um. So, it, Nobody really, really gets it if they don't even get the interpretations of those things which were, which were written later. Because they need a very expansive, a very expansive understanding or knowledge base, and a very intelligent intellect, a very sharp intellect, and they need a lot of, they need a very large time commitment. If anyone says that they understood the Gemara after spending 20 minutes sitting down reading it, do not believe them. And only after that extensive amount of, of time of learning by someone of a very high caliber can someone derive from that learning what is the bottom line? So right now, from what I just studied, what is, what is permitted? what is forbidden. <coughs> and the rest of the details, what they are. Now, Haram Bam describes his motivation to write the Mishnah Torah, and because of this, hosni. I, I uh, shake, I shook my my uh, the, the bottom of my clothes. It's it's, a, it's an expression when you're sitting down in the dust as I used to. Then you get up to start working. The, the getting up is represented by the shaking of the cloth of your garment from, from this dust. It's like saying today, I, I rolled up my sleeves. Me, my, Moshe, the son of Rabbi Maimon, the Spaniard. I found support in, in the rock with capital R. Baruch who blesses, he obviously referring to God. And I made a point, to really understanding all of these books, the ones we mentioned, the Tarmudim, the Tusefta, the Sifra, the Sifre, and the Geonic works as well. I decided to compose something that compiles all the bottom lines, all the conclusions that come from all of these books in the aggregate regarding what's, permis- what's forbidden, what's permissible, what is, what is pure, what is impure, in with the, the other details of the Torah, in a very clear language, and as succinctly as possible, so that the Torah Shabbatay, which we started describing, all of it as a whole, Seudah can be organized, can be organized in everyone's mouth, Velo belofiruk, without including the actual process that led to it, or more precisely, without including any questions and answers that are not the actual conclusion. I didn't want to make it so that uh, I present one opinion saying this and one opinion saying that, rather clean things, accessible, very accurate, very precise. According to the law that can be understood or that is clear, Shakespeare, if you go deep like a bear, from all of these compositions and interpretations that we have since the times of Rabenu akadosh the Mishnah, the Adah Shavin, until now. Why not before Rabbeinu Akadosh? Because there were no compositions, as we explained. Until all of these details can be known to both young and old, in every detail of every uh, precept and all the things that were decreed by Hachamim and by Naveen and by prophets, by sages and by prophets. Just to give you an example of something that was decreed by a prophet. Uh, again, we mentioned this example before Moshe Benu, a prophet, and his court decreed that uh, we must read the Torah once a week, a portion of the Torah in public, once a week on Shabbat. Generally, what I'm saying says Rambam, so that a person does not need any other composition ever, or in the world, Olam is both, uh, it means in, in terms of time, ever and Olam also means worldwide. That deals with any detail of Israel, rather this composition is going to have compiled the entirety of Turashabi Alpeh, Aimatakanot including all the, the ordinances, the the customs, the Abezerot, the proscriptions, that have come to be between, since the times of Moshe Rabbeinu and until the composition of the Talmud. Why not after? Because as we mentioned, after the Talmud, nothing is binding, universal. And as these things were interpreted by the Geonim, in their compositions that were composed after the Talmud, very important to note, Rabba was very, very... Uh, respectful of the geonic tradition, as we all should be. The reason we know what the Gemara says is because the Geonim preserved it for us. So, you know, if we believe them in what the Gemara says, we should also believe them in what they say the Gemara means. Uh, Some of these Geonims sat in the same chairs, in the same buildings, where the discussion of the Gemara had taken place a few generations earlier. So Haramban takes them into account, obviously. So uh, just just a phrase about what's happening here. Haramban is not saying this book is going to displace every other book, but it's just saying this book is meant to be a book that includes the conclusion from all other books. And if, if what you want to get is a conclusion, you don't need to resort to studying any other book. What you need to know is... As a conclusion, you open this book and you'll find that they're organized in a very clear way and presented in a very accessible Hebrew. It doesn't mean that Haraman thought we should not study Gemara, or we should not study Mishnah or we should not study what the Geonim wrote. Of course we should, but the point of studying those things doesn't need to be to derive the halacha, although it could. But if we only wanted to write Halakha, we could just open the Mishnah Torah, and we would have that. I have called, therefore, this book, this composition, Mishne Torah. Mishne means the restatement or the the um, the repetition of or the companion to the Torah. Why? Adam. Because the person can first read the written Torah. Let's say I read in the Torah, "Basukot You shall inhabit in the Sukkah for seven days. And then I want to know what it means, how to apply it. And then I can open the Mishneh Torah, And then I can open the Torah, and from this book, Mishne Torah, I can know the entirety of Torah Shabbat alpeh linked to this Misva of the Sukkah. The Enos Sadiq Likrov Seferah without needing to have any other book in between Torah Shabbat alpeh, in between the written Torah, the Pasuk saying, Basukotash Abushiv akamim. And the Pasukh and, and, the, and the actual law of what that means, what can we do, how tall the Sukkah needs to be, what can it be made of. So, if all you had was the Tanakh and the Mishneh Torah, you would know what the Torah says, and also you would have the conclusions of a process that took 40 generations of developing the meaning of the Torah and and adding to that meaning and adding to that applicability hagim. Uh, Mem. We are almost done. halachot, halachot And I sought to divide this uh, composition into halachot. Halacha is going to be the unit of the Mishneh Torah. Halachah means a, a, a paragraph, let's call it this way. In every theme, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So the, the, the first the first halachot uh, are the are the sections, the sections that we have. So for example, we have hilchot Talmud Torah, the halachot of how to study Torah. Or we have hilchot Melachimu uMilhamot we have the halakhot dealing with kings and wars. Um, in every in every so it's it's divided thematically as opposed to other compositions which are divided uh, following the order of the Talmud, Aramam decided, I'm actually going to divide this book thematically. There's going to be halakhot corresponding to various groupings of misvot that are a theme. I then divide this halakhot into chapters belonging or, or uh, that subdivide this theme each chapter is then subdivided to little, these are the paragraphs, to little halachot, so that a person can potentially memorize this entire book. And just to give you an example of how organized this book is and how much planning went into it in advance. The book has exactly exactly, 1,000 chapters, it's not a short book, and think about this. In order to get to 1,000 chapters, and the chapters make sense, it's not like one chapter uh, is randomly divided into three, the chapters really, really make sense, they are units dealing with a certain theme, a certain question, a certain issue, a certain discussion. So think of the the genius of Haramdan that was able to in advance plan his books so that it gets to exactly 1,000 chapters. Not only that, many of the books are divided into a certain number of chapters that uh, uh, there's reason to believe was deliberate and so on and so forth. It's very, very masterfully organized, presented in the clearest Hebrew, very succinct and extremely precise. There's not one word that is extra or less. From the halachot, the first division of his book. Some halachot deal with only one mitzvah, and this is a mitzvah on which there is a lot of tradition, and that's why it presents a thing in and of itself that needs to be treated separately. For example, the halachot of Shabbat, one mitzvah, but uh, 33 chapters. Sorry, and other halachot include several mitzvot if all of those mitzvot have to do with one single theme. So we'll see the very first. Grouping of halachot is called halachot, dealing with the fundamentals of the Torah. It deals with several mischot, more than one. Not all of them are uh, so similar, but they all have something in common in that they all are categorized under this theme the basis, the fundamentals of the Torah. Because what I did in this composition is to divide it thematically. And not according to the 613 mitzvot. It's not that this book has 613 parts. It has parts dealing with things. And on this point, Rambam just concludes, just to let you know, the count of the mitzvot, of the precepts from the Torah, that apply forever so an example of a mitzvah that does not apply forever is a mitzvah the precept that the israelites got when they left egypt to put blood on the doorpost that's not something that is counted as a precept that survived that generation that is prescribed for every generation thereafter so the mitzvot that do apply at all times 6 mitzvot 613. We are all familiar with this number. From those, the affirmative precepts, things that we have to do are are 248. Uh, like the number of limbs that there is in the human body. and from those 613, the ones that are, that are uh, prohibitions, negative commandments, precepts, 365, the, the mnemonic to them to remember what those are, is the days of the solar year. With that, we conclude the introduction of the Mishneh Torah. And the next time we meet, we're going to start because that, Hashem, the help of God, is we'll of